Okay, so right off the bat, I have to say that Echo as a series, like the buildup to Echo as a series, has kind of stayed in the same excitement range for me as, say, something like Agatha House of Harkness or Chaos Coven, the Book of Agatha. What, what is that show called? Anyway, my point is that it's an, it's a connected character to another series that itself was a bit of a spinoff from something else, right? In relation to the MCU, I'm aware that these characters exist in comic books and have their own stories there. So, you know, let me go ahead and get ahead of that in the comments. I'm just saying for me personally, my exposure to these characters was in the MCU. Echo, of course, being a character connected to Daredevil. And I never really read Daredevil comics. I was much more of a Spider-Man guy. So for my part, my first exposure to this character did come from the Hawkeye series. And I really enjoy the Hawkeye series. I love the fact that it's a Christmas, you know, event of sorts. It's just the right amount of silly and seriousness. We're dealing with kind of some heavy concepts of PTSD after the kind of traumatic experience of Endgame, the loss of Natasha, and just kind of how to exist in the world as kind of this celebrity, kind of like the pseudo celebrity that Hawkeye is, while also being kind of like the least popular Avenger. But moreover, it also introduced the character of Kate Bishop, who is by far my favorite new addition to the post-in-game MCU. Like, I could go and do a whole separate video on that, honestly, but but right now we're talking about Echo. Echo is introduced in the series as something of kind of like a, what do you, what do you call it, like an underboss or like a mid-level management in the crime organization that is one of Wilson Fisk's many operations going on around New York City. But moreover, she has kind of this close relationship to Fisk that puts her in a collision course when it is discovered in that series in Hawkeye that while her father was killed by Ronan, a.k.a. Hawkeye, Fisk was responsible for calling the hit. She was a cool character, awesome fighter. But in that series, she really only was there to kind of be a precursor to the threat, or at least the theoretical threat, that would be Kingpin. And that's where Hawkeye dropped the ball, right? Kingpin shows up. He's kind of a joke character. And I hate to say that, but that's just true. It was super exciting when they teed it up like, oh my gosh, Fisk is here. It would appear, though not confirmed at that point, that they were canonizing what had come from the Daredevil series on Netflix. And that was exciting. And then, you know, again, I love Kate Bishop, but the idea that Kate Bishop, newly minted hero, goes toe to toe and defeats Wilson Fisk is not, it, it ain't a great look. They instantly take one of the most threatening, terrifying villains that the MCU adjacent content has ever put forward and made him kind of, I mean, one Mr. Grinch. You know what I mean? Like it was, it, oof, not great. So in the Echo series, they've got a lot to do here. They've got this character who is probably not exactly a well-known character in Maya, in Echo, and they need to really flesh her out beyond just being this Kingpin-adjacent character. But at the same time, they also have to bring the Kingpin back from where they took him in Hawkeye. A lot of the discussion going on right now is the concept of Kingpin being a quote-unquote street-level Thanos. I would push back a little bit on that language and say he's not a street-level Thanos. He needs to be more of like a street-level Palpatine. This is a master manipulator who dominates his foes based on fear and control and manipulation. I mean, he's a Sith Lord. And that very real threat that it doesn't matter who else is in the room. It could be somebody as powerful as Thor or somebody as meek as Aunt May. Like, all of them should feel fear in the presence of Kingpin. So Echo had a lot of work to do going into this series. And for my money, I thought they actually succeeded fantastically. There's been some pushback in the way in which that first episode came out and gave us a lot of what we've seen before. There's flashbacks to the Hawkeye series. And some people are annoyed by that, and I don't really understand where they're coming from. We needed those flashbacks to the Hawkeye series because we're so tonally different from what came before that we almost need to recalibrate those scenes as we 
recontextualize them. Seeing Maya not just as this mid-level boss, but as this child who's gone through this childhood trauma, to being raised by the kingpin, to being essentially a henchman, the kind of the lowest of the low level, and as a henchman going toe-to-toe with Daredevil, kingpin seeing somebody who could actually go toe-to-toe with Daredevil, and investing even more into her. I mean, you could see it, right? Like, she's almost like this replacement bullseye. Like, he's had this replacement bullseye in his own house this entire time in Maya, and so not that his feelings for Maya aren't genuine in that kind of corrupt kingpin kind of way, but she's a tool that he can use. She's a weapon. And from Maya's point of view, he has been kind of that strong, heroic figure who has crushed those that would do her harm and taught her how to make everybody else be afraid of her instead of her afraid of the world. I thought the decision to put this series in middle America as opposed to like in New York City, because can can we just acknowledge this? Not everything in the MCU has to happen in New York or in space or occasionally Wakanda. Like, it's okay. Like, Middle America can also have some superheroic supervillainy and all the, like, going on there, too. That's, that's fine. And as somebody who grew up in Mississippi, I love the feeling of, you know, the kid that goes off to New York City and the big city and kind of lives their life there, but then comes back home to more of kind of the rural, slower-paced life. And what do you see? What do you see happen? Everything's taking place in the skating rink and they're playing music from the 90s. And there's just a general stepping back in time. It's like going back home and finding that your mom hasn't changed your room. Like it's exactly the way it was when you were in high school. It's like that, but on like a like a citywide scale. I thought that energy was really good. It grounded the character and kind of the the events that were going on in a way that was honestly quite relatable. I liked the way that they took the concept of Echo's power set. I think in the the comics, if I'm not mistaken, she can see somebody fight and then she can kind of mimic their moves, almost like Taskmaster. And for my money, I actually really liked that they took that concept and gave it a little bit of more of a cosmic spin, where instead of her mimicking what she sees, she's able to mimic the abilities of her ancestors. It ties nicely into the struggle she has with the connections with her cultural past, as well as the pull from Kingpin and the establishment with her left with this question, who am I? Who do I truly want to be? Right? I think it was like, what, episode four, where you have Kingpin showing up to her house to have Sunday dinner, and he brings these like gourmet cookies from this place in New York City that's her favorite. Then later on, we see her have a very similar sit down with her grandmother, and her grandmother has like dollar store cookies that she's so lovingly arranged in a pattern on a tray. Everything you need to know about the pull between these two worlds is boiled down to this lovely little cookie analogy. I thought it was really great. Power also clearly on play. I love the fact that, you know, she says, and I want to say episode maybe two or three to her friend is like, look, you can't do this. This is chaos. She's like, no, I say when this starts, I say when this stops, this is what power is. And then when you see that very same episode, when she's been defeated and all of her friends are down and everybody's about to take her out. And then somebody somewhere snaps their fingers and it stops because she doesn't have the power. Kingpin has the power. This kind of moving and shaking that Kingpin is doing behind the scenes, even while he's been injured, thought possibly dead for part of the series, this is the rebirth that we have needed of Kingpin. We need him to come back and have that level of dominating control. And I was wondering how the series was going to end. Like, how are they going to maintain that level of threat that Kingpin was able to reclaim in this series and needs to be able to project going forward. And I liked the idea that they did at the end where Echo had to essentially like heal his mind or attempt to heal his mind. Because at their core, both of these characters, they're hurting children. The scene in the casino where he 
gives her the hammer he used to kill his father to give her the opportunity to kill him. It's such like a four level chess play. It's freaking Palpatine. He puts her in the position that she can't kill him without killing to some extent a part of herself. Like her desire early on is I want to be him. Then that is her fear. And ultimately she's able to take him out, but only by becoming him, right? So to bring their final confrontation down to this kind of attempt to heal him as opposed to defeat him. It's very, it's very, uh, no way home. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, the OG Peter Parker talking to our MCU Peter Parker saying, you know, we got to heal them all cure, cure some ass. And it tends to be a generational posture that you see throughout a lot of different media. Early on, kind of the first generation is going and they're doing everything they possibly can as kind of the scrappy team taking down the bad guys by any means necessary. But after a generation of victory, there then comes this kind of power shift dynamic where now you're no longer the ragtag people on the sides and the villains that are rising up, to some extent, you have kind of a responsibility not to meet them in kind, but to recognize the power that you bring to that scenario, curing over conquering. So I thought ultimately that was handled really well to the extent where Kingpin has been reestablished as a legitimate threat in the MCU. The stories of the Netflix series have all been canonized, or at least the Daredevil ones. And where we go from here, who knows? I mean, obviously Kingpin's probably going to run for mayor. I think that's that's pretty uh, <laughs> that's pretty safe bet. And while I think Echo's story throughout uh, connecting to her heritage, to her people, to her family is all really beautiful. I mean, even like the way in which they were able to use kind of the powwow of reimagining Imagining her costume in more of a direct Choctaw inspired way, I think it's safe to say that she probably is going to end up back in New York City, probably rocking more of her classic comics costume as she teams up with, who knows, Daredevil, Elektra, Spider-Man, I don't know. I don't know who we're going to ultimately see kind of in this next generation of Defenders, but I'm really, really excited. I mean, for my money, I just want to see Kingpin go up against Spider-Man. That's just, I, I want to see that. But those are my thoughts on Echo. Really enjoyed it. For me, it's right up there with season one, season three of Daredevil, as well as season one of Jessica Jones and the first half of Luke Cage. Basically everything with Codmouth. That was, that was great. Let me know your thoughts in the comments. Let's talk about it.